This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, we are honored to interview Dr. Brent Satterfield. He's the inventor of DNA and the author of Bringing Heaven Home. We weren't meant to do it alone. We've got a guest with us today that I've been looking forward to talking with for a long while. He's written a book, and he, but before we get into the book, I have to ask you because you're one of those you're one of those people that you invented something that's really really cool or had a hand in it, and that's DNA testing. Can you talk a little bit about that to begin with? Sure. I have a background as a bioengineer. Got a PhD from Arizona State University, and I've spent the last number of years working with different governments in the developing world to create DNA testing technologies to pick up the different types of infectious disease that they um, that they most deal with in those countries. And uh, along the way, there was a company here in the U.S. that I became involved in that picked up some of my technologies and they developed a test for the coronavirus in the most recent pandemic. That test has been distributed all over the world to millions of people and it's been exciting to be a part of that. So, so it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good for me to say that you're an educated man and you've, you've been around and you, and you've worked really hard at what you do, correct? That's correct. You know, one of the things that I that uh, I was looking at today, because well, I, just a real quick story I have to tell you, because DNA testing has uh, really come to the forefront of of what is happening in the world today. And I'll give you an example. There was a guy that I I, I used to sell food for a living, and he was uh, a kitchen guy in in a small restaurant, and he was kind of um, kind of odd and kind of weird and and that kind of thing, and and come to find out that the government set a trap for him and and gave him and I had no idea that that if you lick an envelope and then you send it to a place they can analyze the DNA and find out about <laughs> you and what your DNA is <laughs> and, and so I the, I lost contact with this gentleman for a number of years but as it turns out I was watching the TV I was watching the news, and here this man was as they carted him off to jail because he had his DNA had proven that he had killed a, an eleven-year-old child, and uh, it, and it had gone cold, and they didn't have the the ability to to attach him to it, but then they did, and now we're finding out that uh, the the DNA is helping to solve a lot of old crimes that uh, that people committed and they never were able to get tagged with. So the DNA, it really is exciting what you guys are doing with DNA. It really is. It is. And, you know, it's that same technology they use in the police reports and to solve crimes that we use in diagnosing disease. It's just instead of identifying <clears throat> a killer or a criminal, you're identifying the viral culprit, you know, the bacteria that's causing the problem. So it's, it's still identifying the culprit just with viruses instead of people. Well, and, and it's actually a, 
a lot more widespread to do what you do because you're you're helping millions of people uh, figure out um, what what disease they have and how to how to fix it and all that kind of stuff. So I really applaud you for what you do. That's that's you should be you should your mom should be very proud of you. <laughs> she is. <laughs> <laughs> so. So let's I, I let's talk in the, in about what I you came here to talk about today, and that is the book that you wrote. I'm very interested in it in its properties and what and what conclusions you've come to. And uh, the name of the book is Bringing Heaven Home. And by the way, this is Brent Scatterfield. He's a PhD, which you call, but he says just call him Brent. Um, and he's the author of this book. How long has the book been out now? I published on January 14th, so it's been out about a month. Ah, it's hot, 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 hot. So it's yep. it's right there, and and uh, and I'm glad I'm glad that you're here to talk about it because it is. Well, I lost my brother in the fall. Um, he passed away, and death and dying, and what happens afterward has become a huge a huge deal for really for humanity. Um, there's depending on uh, which religion you are, or however you phrase it, or if you're spiritual rather than that and, and so forth, but it's, but you've, you've really had an interesting time with that particular subject. Haven't you? I have. So explain. <laughs> no, you can't just leave it there. Explain. <laughs> Explain, explain what happened. What, what, what is your story? So I kind of a conservative Christian background, and I've, I've had a number of experiences that at one point in my life <clears throat> I wouldn't have believed were possible. I, but experiences where I found myself in my body in heaven in a conversation with God, understanding um aspects of my life, aspects of things that are happening in the world around us that, like I said, I just never would have imagined before. And I've had a series of these experiences. I, traditionally, you read about these types of experiences where somebody dies and they, they have an out-of-body experience and then <clears throat> they, they come back and share what they saw on the other side. And I'm not sure any of mine that I actually died. I had a few where I, you know, I felt like my heart was going to explode and <clears throat> I, I was afraid that I was going to die, but I never ended up in an emergency room, <laughs> no doctor bills associated with it, but having the same type of experience. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty cool because you, I'm glad you didn't have any doctor bills and I'm glad you didn't have <laughs> what they call a near death experience or an NDE um, because that would be too painful to recover from. I know, I know people that have had those and it takes a long time, but so for you, was it like, was there an epiphany for you? Did, was how, how did that come about that you, that you ended up face to face with, with, with God? The first experience I was talking with a woman who'd had a series of near death experiences herself and her first one, she died in a plane crash. And then <laughs> the other ones, she had another three after that where she died from complications due to the plane crash. And each one, she got to meet God and con converse with him. And so when she came back, one of the gifts that she received on the other side was the ability to help people cross over and have their own experience without having to die. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's one of those details that people who have near-death experiences, they they rarely share, but some of them, when they come back from the other side, they're they're changed. They they see things that other people don't see, they they hear things, they understand things. And her one of her particular gifts was to to help people have that transition. Um and so the first one I had was was facilitated, as it were. Uh, the second time it was more spontaneous, where I, I wasn't expecting it at all, and I just felt a, a sudden rush of energy all over my my body. Felt like pins and needles, just um, but but thousands of times more intense, to where my whole body went numb. Couldn't feel my face. I felt this eruption go off in my stomach, like like um. It felt like a volcanic eruption or, or an explosion almost, and so that that pins and needles feeling just was much more intense. And it moved up into my heart, and when it got to my heart, it stopped being fun because that was the part where I thought, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I think I'm having a heart attack." <laughs> and, um, but uh, as it was, I I no longer feared the other side and no longer feared death. In fact, um, if there's anything to be afraid of, it, it seems like it's life. <laughs> it's not death. Um, but uh, so, so I surrendered, I let go, I felt my heart explode and I came through into the other side where I spent multiple hours in a heavenly state um, and had an experience with God and other beings. And what did they have to say for themselves? What did I mean? It's like it's, it's like I, I, I can imagine God saying, oh, "Well, we, you're not supposed to be here. You're still alive down there." But, but yeah. What, what? <laughs> so my first encounter, so this, this kind of walking forward from the second experience that I just started describing with the pins and needles feeling and everything, the the first experience on the other side was just being in a state of light. Um, and, and by light, it's a, it was like a feeling that was so joyful, so beautiful, so loving that I felt like my whole body would have disintegrated if it had been there. Kind of like, if you can imagine the heat that scientists talk about in the Big Bang, so hot that it melts the atoms that make up the sun. So you may imagine a, a, a heat that could melt the sun. There is this feeling of just joy that, uh, the overall sensation was uh, if my body had been there, I would, I mean, I, it would not have continued. And that light also just had, it was like a feeling of understanding of, of everything that had gone on in my life up to that point in time. And kind of like if you could just spend years just downloading uh, research on the internet and just going through one web page after another and just and getting all of these downloads. Uh, except that there, like my ability to think wasn't limited. And so I could trace down all of these different understandings all at the same time. And it was, it was just beautiful. The whole thing created it was like an explosion of bliss, of joy, of wonder, of, of just tears and weeping. And after I'd been in that space for probably 10, 15 minutes, that was when the first person appeared and coming from my background, the individual of greatest religious significance was Jesus. And so he was the first person to come to me. And he spent a great deal of time talking to me. Um, and unfortunately, it was, it was nothing like you said, of, you shouldn't be here, go home. Or, 
Uh, the, the biggest surprise that I found in meeting Jesus, it wasn't the love, because I, I always expected him to be a loving being. And, and he was, because like the, the feeling of having um, Jesus look into my eyes was one of just being melted from the inside out. It uh, Because it's almost like all the places inside of you that, that you carry around on a day-to-day basis that you hope nobody else can ever see or touch. Or, um, it's like he was looking right into that. But instead of judging the way that each of us would judge each other, it's like he was looking past it. It's like I knew he could see it, but he's looking past it into something that none of us really ever see in each other or in ourselves, which is just this amazing space of love and connection to God. And as he would look into it, it's like there would be this understanding that just washed over you that was, wow, all of these things that I have judged myself for, I've thought that I just wasn't enough. Um, none of that's true. And, and so I guess the first surprising thing for me was that in that space, none of the judgments that I had expected from, from my life experience, like none of those judgments were there. there it was this absolute understanding of there, there is no judgment in heaven. It's, it is love. It is the release from judgment. Judgment is something we deal with here with each other, but there it's this love that releases us. The second thing that surprised me was that Jesus laughs. Um, and, <laughs> and I mean, cause we, you know, in, in all the, the records we have of Jesus, like he was a very serious person and he cried and he wept, but in that space, he laughs and his laughter is the most beautiful, wonderful and healing thing in the world. And it, it changed me in a way of like, my life is too serious. I, I need to have more laughter. I need to be more um, full of the joy that is on that side. The third thing that I learned was that, that, that was, I guess, surprising to me is that the difference between here and there is not as big as we think it is. And it's a difference that by doing all the stuff that you talk about in your podcast, healing these divisions between, you know, just just releasing the fear, the guilt, the shame, the judgment, these these divisions we have between each other, um, that that is a process where we can find healing individually and as a society to start feeling more of those heavenly feelings here in the body. And that, that, that was a huge, huge part of the experience I had there, just seeing this healing that was to take place on an individual level and on a global level that would lead us to have the kind of love that they have over there on, on that side, to have it here in the body. Because over there, there is no division. There is no hate. There is no fear. There is no, I'm better than you, or you're not as good as I am. We are all equal. We are all part of the same. We're all part of the same energy. And, you know, the, the, the thoughts that you went through when you got there and you had what I would term to be a, a life review, um, and you got an opportunity to review the good things that you did, the not so good things that you did and, and all of, and all of that. And then, and then to meet and to meet with, with, with Jesus, which is a divine being. And uh, what did you, what did you think? Well, what was crossing your mind when you were going through all of this? It was like, holy Moses, what's, what's happening here? 
So there is an expression we use all the time down here, which is I've died and gone to heaven. And, and that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> because it was it was so beautiful. It was this sense of everything makes sense, like every pain, every misunderstanding, every what I thought was a bad decision. <laughs> it just all made sense. And to the point where it wasn't just that he wasn't judge me, judging me. It was that I was no longer judging myself. And, and it wasn't like I was a bad person before. I mean, I, I at least in the way that society labels good and bad people. I, I was trying to make DNA tests to help people in the developing world so that they wouldn't have to suffer so much, right? And, and so you'd think, okay, that's, that's a reasonable life, you know. Um, but still, there was this recognition that no matter what kind of life we live, uh, each one of us has moments and places where we, we judge ourselves. We feel insufficient. We feel we're not quite measuring up. And it, it was in those spaces where there's this recognition of, oh, my goodness, <laughs> even like the worst things we think we can do here, um, we just we don't understand. We, we don't see it the way that it's seen on the other side. We don't comprehend the learning that we're going through. We don't comprehend the nature of our being, which which is love. So, but it's, so, so there was this huge release and, and to say that it was a release is almost like, um, it's not enough because Mm -hmm. the, the, it's, (laughs) so (laughs) if if you could compare another release in life, um, for, for those who've had positive sexual experiences in that kind of release where there's this bliss, this opening, this letting go. And if you could take that on a spiritual level and multiply it by a thousand where you're just melting down in tears and thinking, I understand, I get it. It all makes sense. And so it, it was beautiful. Um, there was a part of me thinking that I was never coming back here <laughs> to this place of, <laughs> It's like, I think I'll stay here. This is kind of cool. Yeah, it it certainly was. (laughs) But at the same time, like the fear of being in this state, it's, it's like, you know, you don't think about this being a fearful state or a hurting state until you get into a place that's all love. And then all of a sudden you go, wait, that place is hell. I don't want to go back there. But (laughs) No pun intended, but it might be, you know, it might be literally. It could be. <laughs> but, but it's a loving hell. It's, it's a hell that's designed to, to, to help us undergo a transformation where we can perceive and receive joy that is far greater than we could if we hadn't come through this place. And so it's, it's like a cocoon for a caterpillar. We're like caterpillars going in the cocoon and we're incubating, waiting to become butterflies. I've so, heard that yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. That's that's great. So I, I got to ask you. So now you spent time with him, and but in in your book you detail uh, there's a lot more going on than we have any idea about. Yes. <laughs> so is there a specific direction you want me to take that? <laughs> No, take it, take it where you will, because for my see, I I have a little joke that I tell about my brother. My brother just was a fundamentalist Christian, 
Yes. And, and he was very concrete, very narrow in his views about heaven and hell and what happens when we go there. And like he, <laughs> he passed away. You know where I'm going with this. He passed away in October. And I can just see him going to heaven and saying, well, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Does, you mean you mean that this is just love and everybody gets everybody's in love. Everybody gets to go. You mean my brother gets to go here? And I work so hard. And you know what? I mean? you, you understand where I'm going with that? Is that that it's like we don't understand what relationship our earthly life has to the afterlife and how it's all connected. But it's all connected in a very positive, loving way. It absolutely is. I, I so think just that's take that wherever you want to <laughs> take that wherever you want to go. You know, a lot of people like to emphasize this whole moment of realization when you get to the other side and go, "Oh wow, I had it wrong." You know, maybe I should have done it this way or that way, and and you can spend your whole life thinking that you know life is one way, and then to get to that point um, and see it differently. It, it isn't like you spend the rest of eternity going, oh, crap, you know, I, I messed up. There's a moment of deep realization of, oh, I understand what my body was doing, but you're no longer associated with your body. And so it's like, yeah, my body had this experience, but it's almost like you were just getting a front row seat to a movie that your body was going through. And you understand the, the reasons why it went through those things. Even the mistaken understanding becomes part of a bigger lesson that um, that contributes to an expanding joy on the other side. Wow. So it kind of takes away all the charge. For me, I was coming out of the, this whole conservative Christian kind of mindset as well of, of there's a right way and there's a wrong way and you better do it right because otherwise you're going to spend the rest of eternity, if not in hell, at least regretting wishing that you'd done something a little more. And what I didn't understand is, is so much of that, um, that had nothing to do with God. That had everything to do with the relationship I had with my dad when I was younger. And it just never quite measuring up, always worrying that I was going to disappoint him somehow. And I, you know, I had a great dad. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there was anything inappropriate there, but just he's a wonderful dad. But just like many of our parents, they're imperfect. <laughs> And no matter how hard we try to be though, those perfect parents after seeing the examples of our parents, we, we run into some of the, the same types of mistakes just because we don't comprehend the love that exists on the other side. So all of us fall short. But um, recognizing that so many of my conservative beliefs were, they were outgrowths of the way that I experienced my dad growing up. And so when I understood love, I understood it through the, the perspective that I had with my earthly parents. I understood it through what I saw on TV. I understood it through what I saw in other relationships. And so when people said God loved me, I, I'm automatically thinking, oh, it must be like that. <laughs> and not realizing that that word completely misleads us. <laughs> God doesn't love us the way people love us, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hell if, if, if he did. It really oh, would. Um, so getting to the other side, tasting that, experiencing it, you can't come back the same person. You can't. Because everything that your whole life was built on, all the beliefs that you've never stopped to, to analyze that go into making you who you are, 
the way that you interact with the world, all of it changes just in a moment because you realize that love isn't what you thought it was. It's this other thing that's so much more wonderful. And so it provides room for you to start accepting self, to, to see all of the, the foibles, the, the imperfections, and just love and accept self as it is today. And in that space to start seeing other people the same way, to give them that same patience, that same room to learn, to experience, to grow. So I, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that I experienced there. But as you bring up, you know, the, the whole the religious concept, one of the things that shocked me too is that as my experiences continued, I had uh, multiple of these. Uh, I wasn't just seeing Christian religious symbols. I was being shown things from other religions as well and understanding that heaven is a lot bigger than what people imagine it, that we are each in our own relationship with God and we are creating the types of experiences that will help us understand the direction we want to go in on the other side. It's almost like heaven is, it's this idea of infinite growth where you can take where, wherever it is that you're learning and just grow in it forever and ever and ever. But um, instead of just being one direction, like growing in one concept or understanding, it is, it's like a composite of almost an infinite number of understandings and ways that you can grow. And so any one of those paths that you can grow in, you can have experience with God. You can understand God. It's welcome. It's, it's like, it's like almost like the science of divinity where each one of us is learning something unique about how this world works, about how God works. And you can't really, um, create a hierarchy of these experiences and say, this one is better than that one. They're, they're different. Like, you know, apples and oranges are two different types of fruits. And I may prefer oranges over apples, but that doesn't mean that one is morally superior. They're different flavors, different experiences. And so that was very real for me was that the, these different ways of experiencing God, they, they weren't just um, metaphorical, like, like a whole bunch of different paths leading to the same place. They were actually different experiences, different fruits, different flavors. Um, and that, that was a huge surprise for me as well, is that heaven is just more diverse than you anything spend, I'd ever imagined. You could spend eternity there then. Yeah. Uh, in any one of those, you could just pick one and spend an eternity. Or you can go to another and go for an eternity. Or you can try to work with the composite, the integration of them. So there's so many different ways to experience it. And it's all based on how do you as an individual feel loved? How do you as an individual express love? And then stepping into that space and honoring it. So, so Brent, I got to ask you, because uh, um, I've, I've studied uh, near-death experiences. I've had uh, hip, hip, hypnosis sessions where I go back to previous lives and I go back to life between lives. And I'm a firm believer in, in all of that, that we're all one and that we're. But so while you were standing there and you were immersed in the love of God and the, and the, and the wonderfulness of heaven and all the things that you can do there, and did you ask him at one point, what the hell did you make the earth for? <laughs> Why did you stay here? This would be so much more fun. I don't know if, if when you were ever, if when you were a kid, if you ever had an experience that was just so fun that you never stop and ask questions. It's like you're on this ride and you're just going wherever the ride leads you. 
And there are moments, I mean, because there were questions I did have, but, you know, it was one of those things in hindsight of like, dang, maybe, maybe that would have been a great question to ask. (laughs) But I did see that um, it's like what we're doing here on the earth and what's happening in heaven, they're not disconnected. It's, it's this, uh, this sense of if we can pull this off, if we can go from the state where we're in right now with all this political division and, you know, um, international violence and everything else, uh, pandemics, whatever it may be, if we can go from this space where our hearts are prone to contract in fear and hurt and judgment um, and instead be able to, to create a movement strong enough where all of us start to open to feel the love of heaven, what I saw was that there was this effect that would start and it would happen at first with one individual and then another where people would start to pop like popcorn. And, and by pop, I, I don't mean like, you know, explode like a tick or something, but, <laughs> but pop as in this immense heavenly joy <clears throat> of an understanding of why it all is, how it came to be, where they start to live walking in these bodies in that heavenly state. And that after enough popped is almost like when the popcorn hits the right temperature and it all starts going off that everybody left in the world at that time would all start popping together and that there would be this huge explosion of joy and what i saw was that this explosion of joy in this world was connected to the joy that is on the other side that that this world rising that it changing that it becoming a heavenly loving place um it somehow augmented the joy of those on the other side. So there, there seemed to be, there seemed to be purpose in it without anybody ever coming out and saying, here's the purpose and here's why it was done. And, and it was just one of those things where in that space, my heart just accepted it. It was just, yes, of course it, it is what it is. And there's no reason to question it because it's just beautiful and my whole inner being is weeping from the joy and from the, the beauty of it. And so why would it be any different? There's just no question. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, <laughs> the, the experience you had was really profound, but there are people that are here that are working towards what you just said, which is developing a way for us to get along, for us to recognize that we're all one. We all want the same things from life. We want a, a happy family. We want to. Um, we want to love people. We want to care, and that we can do that. But in order to do that, we have to recognize that we are all one, and we got to get rid of hate, division, and fear. Because if we don't do that, then the divide stays up. And if we're divided, we cannot win. Um, we need to get together, and we need to be together. And I'm so proud of you. For doing, doing what you're doing because it is it's so needed it is so needed and uh, and i i i applaud i applaud you greatly now i gotta ask you though when you're on the other side did you get to see some of your relatives and and did you talk to anybody like that so my experiences did not include my relatives and i i know that there are a lot of people out there that did and the um, the main figures in mine, I, I saw Jesus a couple times and Jesus led me into the presence of somebody else that I identified with as, as my, my father, like a spiritual father, as it were, just, but, um, 
and he he would be the one that I would have identified with God. And yet there is this relationship with the physical being that you would call God. And then also the light that is in everything. And it, it, it's something that um, it's probably simpler to describe than I'm making it out to be, but that if that light that's in everything that is this loving intelligence could be embodied in a single individual, that's who I kind of thought as of as father. Um, and then he in turn led me into the presence of somebody else who I understood was my spiritual mother. And so to the extent that there was a male and female aspect of this, this divine light, um, it was just, it was phenomenal. I mean, as, as much joy as I had coming into the presence of Jesus, it was like this explosion in my heart of, of euphoria, of bliss, of uh, every feeling I've ever wanted to have or ever felt like I was missing. And then him taking me into the presence of my father, who I identified as God, um, it was that that even bigger explosion, just like it, it was as if I had never felt love before and thought, wow, because coming out of the, the Christian background, there's this thought like, well, if Jesus needs to intercede with God, then God must be this mean, angry old man or something. And, right. and that wasn't the case at all. It was almost like, oh, my goodness, Jesus is just a beginner at this love thing. And this person is even more of that. And it was just it was a beautiful thing to be in. Um, the mother figure, my mother, um, it was even that again of just, oh, <laughs> God is not just masculine. There's a feminine element to it. And, and that feminine element for me was completion. It felt like just everything, like eternity just became complete. But, but instead of eternity, like in a time-based here to forever, it was if you could turn it on its side so you could experience eternity in a moment and just feel completion, that's kind of how it felt being with her. Um, Cool. And then um, God then showed me the light, like how it worked, Uh, the kind of the structure of heaven, how it grows, how it, uh, how the joy is created. And I was led to understand that even as it is in heaven, so it is on earth, that that there are thoughts that we put into our hearts that go out into the light and they bring back to us what we send out. And this is one of the reasons for healing the heart is what we everybody keeps waiting for the world to get better before they feel better. And that's backward. That, that we have to allow our hearts to start to open, to heal first, and then the world will start reflecting back to us this change inside. And as more of us do that, we're going to see bigger and bigger changes in the world. And those changes, they, they, um, <laughs> they don't have to be scary. <laughs> they can be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I, I got to ask you, doc, cause you, you know, you've, you've got a PhD, you, you are a learned man, you're a scientific man. This had to, at one point in time, blow your mind that this was happening to you. Uh, <laughs> it, it goes against, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that, in, that science would teach you. Um, how, did, how did you reconcile all that? And why was it you that got to have this adventure and, and not somebody else? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. I haven't figured that one out about why was it me. <laughs> Well, I I can tell you, it is, part of it I think is is that it's you are a scientific man, 
Um, you've got your chops. You've done you've done the work. You've you've been able to help millions of people. And uh, maybe that partially that was a reward for you to to because you really have helped mankind in, to a great degree. And so they said, well, you know, let's talk to this guy a little bit more. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> You know, I've, I've, after all my experiences, I actually went back and studied, started studying other near-death experiences because I wanted to see what people were seeing on the other side. I just, um, all, most of my adulthood, I didn't want to read anybody else's experiences because I was thinking, um, that can't be real. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to read things that people were seeing that contradicted my religious beliefs. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing things that contradict my religious beliefs and, and they didn't really contradict them, but they didn't really coincide either. It was like, if you took all the words that, they, that I was taught in Sunday school um, and then just gave it a totally different meaning, just threw out the meaning that everybody thinks it means exactly. and then bring in this heavenly love. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, now it makes sense. But, um, <laughs> but it no longer allowed me to fit inside that culture. Exactly. Yeah. Because, because go ahead <laughs> just the the way that they saw things the way that i saw things just almost opposite because the religion was was still based on this idea you got to get it right or there's this judgment and i'm thinking but there is no judgment <laughs> not from god there is from us and so getting it right is about figuring out <laughs> that we are loved no matter what it's about oh go ahead <laughs> no, I, I was just gonna say that that you're loved no matter what which then by definition removes hell as an option it does because there you is no yeah you, you no longer choose that in theory if you want to create such a place you want to go there you can have that experience people in near-death experiences are sometimes shown that but they're not shown that to go there. They're shown it to say, hey, you're loved so much. If you want to go to the, this experience and create this, you can. Um, at which point they start having a change in thought and thinking, I don't want to create that. I want to create something different. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so there was a big difference with, with my religious perceptions. The science... Um, I don't know that I had as much of a problem with that. It almost it almost eased the conflict between religion and science. Oh, good. More because just going into that space and recognizing, okay, there is a law, as it were, that this world is made on, and scientists are studying that law. The assumption they're making is that law cannot change, and what I understood is that the law is changeable. And that as we change our hearts, that the laws that scientists study are going to evolve. And so it, it kind of moves you into a place where you start asking the question, do I want to study the changeable law as it pertains to this world? Or do I want to study the laws that allow us to change the laws to, to create something more beautiful in this world? So your belief now is, is that we are in control of our own destiny. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, which is, you know, when you, when you look at the, the conflict or the confines of a particular belief structure and you believe that you can't change anything, that, they're, oh, well, that's just the way it goes. That's just the way we are. I'm just going to try and be a good person. 
it changes completely when you when you open up to the concept that you can make you can be the change you can make the change that can affect the world and uh and with other people with other kernels of popcorn popping at the same time as as that changes it be, it hits critical mass which is a scientific term i think um, yeah <laughs> and and then 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 change can happen and we can then have heaven on earth and I, I think it's a relieving concept to realize that your way of seeing the world is not the only way to, I mean, the, the first experience I came back from, it, it almost reinforced my religious beliefs of, of like, okay, well, maybe there's not a hell and maybe there's not judgment, but I still feel like my way is, is the right way. And it was only as I had more that I stepped back and said, okay, I, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like heaven is bigger. God is bigger. Um, and so, but to, to realize that there are kernels of popcorn popping in other cultures and other religions and other belief systems, it means that you're not alone. That that feeling of, oh, wow, I, I want the world to change. I still know how to do it. That you don't have to take care of the whole. You just need to understand what is it that you came to do. And, and it's not even like a, a, this pressure of something that you have to go and do because that pressure of feeling like you have to is actually moving you out of the space that heaven is in, which is a space of joy, a space of love, of if your heart was absolutely open and free, if you were a little child in a meadow in heaven, just chasing after butterflies without a care in the world, what would you do? Because there, there wouldn't be any obligation or any have tos. It would just arise from your heart being open, spontaneous action, and to the extent that each one of us start tapping into that joy, each in our own cultures, we do have an influence. Uh, I mean, you are here doing these YouTube videos and podcasts and other things, trying to bring people together on this conversation of healing division. And that's having an effect. And there's a ripple effect that goes out from that. And as each one of us interacts in our own way, in our own space, and, and maybe that's simply just showing up. It's the choice to wake up in the morning and do it again. <laughs> um, it has an effect. And so we can let go of the responsibility that we are the ones that have to change it because there is an intelligence inside of us and inside of everything that wants this change as much as we do and even more. So the more that we open up to that intelligence that's already in our hearts, the more that we feel that love, the more that we walk and step with it the more change that we're gonna see, not because we did it with our hands, but because actual power came in to help with that transition. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that <clears throat> because in my in my little world, what in with the podcast that I do, because this is my passion, I just I just love doing it. I love talking to people <laughs> and 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 trying to create something a little bit different. I have given it over, which means that I'm I'm not interested i don't care who listens to it i don't care how many people listen to it the right people will and those are those are coming from a different place than me um i can't control that all i can do is to is to provide a forum for people like you to come here and talk to folks to give them something to think about and that's 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 what i believe what god is and i would love to have your experience i <laughs> Without without the near death thing, that that, that I don't. Do that. 
but but you know, I would love to. I would love to be to get the you know confirmation, but it doesn't matter because I know what I believe is that I just need to provide a space for people like you to make other people think. And if we can do that, then, and I really thank you for reaching out. I know you reached out based upon what I have out there. And I really appreciate you doing that. That makes me, that makes me very happy. I'm thrilled that you had me on your show. So <laughs> to your well, we, point, we do this more. As a matter of fact, I'm here in the, are you, are you available uh, Sunday morning, the 28th of February? Sunday morning, the 28th. At 9 a.m. Pacific? 9 a.m. Pacific. I should be, I, yes. Because I, I would love to you, have you on. Uh, I, do, I do a radio show live over the air on Sunday. I'm, I'm doing a little commercial here, by the way. Um, over the air on Sunday mornings. It's called Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald, and it's from 9 till noon. And I would love to have you on from 9 to 10 to talk about your book and and all of this because it's it's so needed and this goes out over Seattle which is the 12th largest media market and all of that. I would love to have you do that if you if you're if you're able to do that. Either that either that either February or March, one of the two. You get to pick. Sounds good. I, I think February 28th should be just fine. So if you want to yeah, shoot me a, a confirmation email, and <laughs> I'll do that. And we will, and we're gonna we're gonna book you because th this information is so important and it's so vital. And and let me stop and 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 tell you that there are. Um, I've heard what you're telling me before, uh, from and, um, but I haven't heard it put in the way that you're putting it because you were there. And uh, it gives, it adds confirmation and validity to everything that I believe that there is no hell that we are we are loved and that we can we can all work together to achieve something great if we choose to or we can choose not to in which case we, we'll have to be either I believe in reincarnation personally uh, but I whether you do or not it doesn't matter I do have to ask though did you ask that question do we have to come back and do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I did not ask that question. <laughs> I understand because it would be overwhelming to be mm -hmm. in the presence of all of this love and all of these people. It's like, and, and you know, and your mind was opening up to so many things anyway that it's hard to hard to do that. Uh, but that that's that's okay. I, <laughs> you, you may you may go back and do. By the way, is there a second book in the works? That we're talking. By the way, bringing heaven home is the name of the book. You must go buy it. That's my rule. <laughs> Your rule. <laughs> like you do whatever you want. <laughs> Please. I think, I think it would be uh, a really fascinating uh, fascinating read. So, so please, please do that. But, but now we've talked about the first couple of times. How many times have you done this? <laughs> Multiple. <clears throat> and the, it, it's in terms of the intensity of that type of an experience, um, the I've had four that would be that kind of a crossover experience with that intensity. Um, what I've discovered, you kind of may, alluded to this earlier, is that you'd love to have that personal confirmation, you know, without having to die to to go do that, but but to have that experience, and. Uh, 
what I've understood, what I've seen is that each of us has a light in our hearts. We all have an internal compass. And sometimes that compass is hard to hear because all the emotional stuff in our lives is just shutting us down. But when our hearts are open, you kind of get this feeling of this feels right. This feels good. This feels like where I want to go. And that feeling is as valid (laughs) as being in God's presence. The difference is, is it's not coupled with this intensity of euphoric joy and explosion of, of bliss and I understand the, the beginning to the end kind of feeling. <laughs> um, and, and for some reason, the mind wants to say, well, because this one was coupled with this bliss, that it's valid. And this one down here is, is not as valid because it wasn't coupled with that bliss, but it's the same intelligence. It's, I get it. Yeah. Well, you know, you, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it's the same intelligence moving you. And the beauty is because you haven't had all of that extra joy, you're a little bit more humble perhaps in your approach to, well, I felt these things and I think this is what's going on. And sometimes for those of us who've been in that other space, I'm like, well, especially coming out of a, a conservative background, an authoritative background, it's like, well, I saw God, so now I know, and, and this is how it works. And I, I, I felt that way. I, I went through that after my first, um, and, and maybe even my second experience to a certain degree was kind of in that space of, well, I saw, so now I know what's going on. And, and then to realize that, yeah, so what I saw, but it was like a drop in an infinite bucket. And so there's more to see, there's more to understand, and that, that maybe having a little more humility helps. So, <laughs> you know what yeah. So I, I think that your experience and the experience of your listeners when they really stop and they connect with their heart and they listen to what their heart's telling them, that's valid. It's beautiful. And the question is, are you going to trust your heart as much as all the other voices in the world? Are you going to trust your heart as much as everything that your parents told you or society told you? Are you going to listen and open your heart and trust that even if you make a mistake, it's all beautiful. There, there really is no mistake as, as long as we keep learning, as long as we keep learning from things. You know, it's, it, what, you're, what you're saying has a lot of validity to it because there are times when I will read something and I will go, that's it. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a book called uh, a Journey of Souls. It talks about taking people into hypnosis and then they have the same kind of experience that you had on the other side. And and to a person, they all roughly describe what you're describing. It's a place of love, total acceptance, that we view it from our perspective down here differently than they view it from up there. And so when you're down here, and this is what I implore people, is when you're down here and something feels right, if something feels like it's, 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 be it a song, <clears throat> be it something that you you uh, part of a movie, uh, some, some, listening to someone like you. It's like one of them that has always got to me, and I heard it. You know, during, it was from the movie Braveheart, and uh, um, you'd think that's a real, you know, uh, a macho type movie. But there was a point in it where he says, where his father says, "Who's on the who had died," and he turns to him and he says, "Your heart is free. Have the courage to follow it." And so, and for me, that was like, ah, because that, that got, it was like, it was like, uh, your heart is free. Follow it and follow the love that you have with it. 
That's that's what I got out of that. And and so you had the experience, but only from the standpoint that you can come back to us and say you don't need to have that. You can exactly. You can still believe it. You can still do it. Just follow your heart. And it's almost more beautiful when you can trust your heart without having to have that type of an experience. It's it's just that absolute trust, that faith, that surrender. It's it is a beautiful thing. So I got to ask you, you've had all these experiences. You've written the book. I sense there's another book coming should be. And uh, what are you what are you going to do now that now that you what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Are you still doing the DNA stuff? What are your plans, sir? So right now, the plan is to <laughs> to uh, participate in a few more podcasts, a few more places to to create some publicity for the book. I'm, you know, there is, there's the professional side of life, the things that you do to make sure that you've got, um, your, your needs met, that you're providing for yourself and you're doing that in an honorable way. And so, uh, to the extent that I continue to have a meaningful role in the scientific world, I'm happy to play that. Um, and you know what the future holds after that, I, I don't know, but that'll be really interesting to see. My heart has become much more interested in connecting with people like you, with people like your listeners, um, in just sharing. Because I, after being on the other side, there was this sense that nothing we can achieve in this life, nothing, nothing we can achieve with our hands really has the same level of satisfaction as when we connect with another human being. And to the extent that there are those of us out there who are, are looking, we're trying to understand what's going on in this life of ours. We're trying to understand what's going on in our hearts. It's an amazing thing to run into somebody else who may be from a different culture or belief set and then find that they have like a missing piece to your puzzle. And so I find that there isn't really a a division between those who've had experiences like mine and those who have not, meaning that I can learn just as much from people who haven't had those experiences as they can learn from me. And so it's just joyful to connect with people who are coming from all these different backgrounds to see what they're learning, to see what they're understanding, because there is a, a learning that takes place even outside of what it is we're saying with our mouths. Like, like in my first experience with the woman who um, died in the plane crash, she and I, the thing that triggered that, it was so interesting. Like I, I came in to see her and it was like this feeling inside of me. Like I had a piece of her heart, like I had a puzzle piece for her. And I saw in my mind, my a, a vision of myself placing my hand on her heart. And I started to reach out to place my hand on her heart. And I got self-conscious. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's on her chest. And maybe I should do that. Um, <laughs> but she understood. She, like, saw what it was that I was um, trying to do. And she says, that's where Jesus puts his hand. And she grabs my hand and just puts it right on her chest. And as soon as she did, there's this explosion of just energy in me. And so we hadn't had any dialogue. It wasn't like I said something smart and she said something smarter. <laughs> um, it was just two people 
that happened to have pieces of each other's puzzle that came together in the same place at the same time. And they had a meaningful interaction. And that meaningful interaction caused an explosion inside of me, caused me to move into uh, a space that I'd never experienced before, that I didn't know was possible. And so likewise, um, I just have that ongoing interest to meet with others, to facilitate those types of interactions. As people come together, they feel their hearts changed. They feel confirmation of things that their hearts have been telling them, and they have courage to let their hearts start creating those things. The more of us that feel that permission to start believing the most beautiful things in our hearts, the more that we are going to see shift, not only in our own lives, but in the world around us. And you know what's really cool that you're going to run into now that the book has been out, and it's been out for a whole month now, maybe not even a month, not even a month. What you're going to find is what I find, is that the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing, I affect people that I'll never know. Yes. People that I'll never meet will have the work that I do in bringing people like you to them has an impact. And it has a positive impact. And that's all I need. I let all that spirit, I'll let God decide how he wants to use all of that. None of my business. All I do is is follow and do do what my heart tells me to do. And this is what it tells me to do. So and you're the same way. So you're gonna have people that are gonna email you in the future that you they're, they're gonna tell you you changed their life. And there is no nothing more sacred and rewarding than that so i applaud you thank you it really is it really is true and you and you deserve you deserve all everything that you can get uh <laughs> and monetary reward and stuff all that stuff will come but just just the uh um just the the love and care of your fellow man um and you'll get that and you have that um, so I appreciate it. So, uh, you, 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 we're, we're coming up on the hour, damn it. Uh, darn it. Uh, Cause it's, <laughs> it happens fast. Uh, but so, I, but I, what I'd like to do is to give you an opportunity to talk to the audience, both the audience that's here now, cause we have people listening here now. And also, um, this is going to be a podcast and it's going to be a YouTube event. So, Whatever you'd like to tell them, I would love for you to speak from your heart to tell them. I just want to say that your experience matters. That no matter what you've been through in your life, how insignificant or how difficult, it absolutely matters. The relationship between us and heaven is a beautiful thing. And as much as there is this reverence from us towards the divine, there almost is this, um, on the other side, there is a reverence for our experience. And there is no one else in this world that can replicate what you are experiencing right now. You have the only view that sits from inside your body with the things that you understand, the way that you see the world. It matters. It's beautiful. You matter. And if you ever wonder what it is that you're supposed to be doing next, just listen to your heart. Imagine yourself happy. Imagine yourself free. Imagine yourself connected. 
And sometimes that can be hard to do if life feels like it hasn't treated you very well. But imagine it anyway, until you can feel your heart start to respond, until it starts to open. And wherever you see yourself, when your heart opens, that is probably where you ought to be. That's brilliant. Is, is there more? I, I'm sure I could keep talking for a while, Kevin, but I, I just realized we hit the hour. So, <laughs> well, in this case, that doesn't matter. So, if 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 there's if because what you're saying is beautiful, and it is something that people need to hear, that it's okay, that we're all right, even though even if you've been abused, even if there've been problems, even if you're not, you you're you're still loved. And you're not alone. Absolutely. Heaven celebrates our belly flops. <laughs> they I, And I tend to think they get the biggest kick out of it because I think there is a lot of laughter in heaven. There is. There is. And, and we don't like to think about people laughing at our pain and our suffering. And it isn't like that because they're not laughing at us, but it's that we don't share the proper perspective yet. And once we share that same perspective, we'll find ourselves laughing with them. And, and it's the most healing thing because in a moment, an instant, this heaviness that feels like it would never lift is gone. And so the heaviest things that we face in this life, they're insubstantial. They're, they're very substantial here. They're very real here, but they're insubstantial. And there is a day, a moment an understanding that comes when it's just like a night dream, like waking up and realizing, oh, I understand now why that was. There's no more heaviness. It's gone. So I'm assuming you're not as scared of death anymore. No, I, <laughs> I'm more scared of life. <laughs> oh, I can, I can totally get that. I can totally get that. So it's it, it, Dr. Brent, it's been great having you here, and I uh, and I look forward to having you. And by the way, it's Brent Scatterfield, and the book Satterfield. 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 Sorry about that. I I I am famous for massacring names. Just so you that's know. fine. <laughs> Satterfield, he PhD, and he's written the book "Bringing Heaven Home." Amazon's got it. I got. They got a great big. Um, um, thing on the top of the page for you so and and your entire uh, bio and all that kind of stuff so get the book uh it will be a life-changing experience if you choose it to be anything else you'd like to add sir no i feel good hey and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end hey pretty cool Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time.